is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. God's servant delivers the word of life with clarity, simplicity, and dexterity. And now, the pastor, Andrew Yahweh, proclaiming God's word to you. What the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen. And we've already looked at the Laudation Church. We've looked at the Church of Thyatra. We have looked at the Spirit of Jezebel. We have also looked at we have also looked at other versions in the Scriptures. Amen. And today we are continuing from where we left off last week and we are looking at taking a stand for God. Amen. And we are looking at the Church of Smyrna. Hallelujah. The Church of Smyrna. And our scripture is from the book of Revelation chapter 2 verse 8 to 11. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Amen. Now, I said in our previous meetings that the word angelus or the word angel is a word, the Greek word angelus, which means the pastor of the church. Amen. So this particular message was specifically to the head pastor of the church or the designated messenger of the church at that point in time. Amen. It shows that anytime God wants to send a message to a church, he does not go behind the spiritual authority of the church. Anytime he wants to send a message to the church, he speaks first of all to the spiritual authority in the church so that corrections can be made in the church. And so this has said, and unto the angel of the church is mine, write these things. Sayeth the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Amen. Now, I was wondering why Jesus chose the word which was dead, which in the Greek means a temporal or a brief pause or a brief interruption in his eternal existence. It was important that Jesus began, begins his message to this church in such a way because of what the church was going through. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which says they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Amen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is difficult for you to um, describe the attribute of God or try to explain the attribute of God in one way. As a matter of fact, if you look at God and his attribute, you look at the fact that when we talk about God, people refer to him as the omnipotent God. But when we say God is the omnipotent God, we are talking about the fact that he is an all-powerful God. When we talk about the fact that he is a shepherd, or when we talk about the fact that he is an omnipresent God, we are talking about the fact that God is everywhere. Unfortunately, Many of us, when we talk about the other attribute of God's love, that the fact that he's, he's a loving God, we only look at his goodness. We only look at the side of God that makes him give us good things. 
We don't, when we talk about God's goodness, we look, when things are working well for us, we think that, yes, that is God's goodness. But there is an aspect of God's love which, has, which most pastors hardly talk about or preach about. That is what we call the tough love of God. And ladies and gentlemen, the God we serve can sometimes show you tough love. When we talk about tough love, it means that when you are going through difficult times, and you feel that it's not the love of God, it is still the love of God. Tough love is the love of God that can still make you lose a relationship. So you can lose your marriage, you can lose a relationship, you can be sick on the bed and think God has forsaken you, but he has not. It is still his love. It is tough love. So when you see your friend enjoying and you, you are struggling, you may be tempted to think that, well, that friend is enjoying because God loves him more than me. He doesn't love him more than you. He loves the two of you equally. It is still his love. So it is the love of God that will make somebody enjoy. It is still the same love of God that will make somebody go through a lot. That is the love of God. That is what we call tough love. And listen, Christianity is not bread and butter. I know people are presented to you that, oh, give your life to Christ and everything will be all right. But if you look at the Bible and look at, and look at Christians and look at the people who have served God over the years, you realize that suffering is one of the things that we experience in our walk with God. Amen. If you want to walk with God, you must, you, must, you must be able to get to the point in your Christian life where you tell yourself that whether things go the way I want it or not, I'm still going to serve God. Whether I get what I want from God or not, I'm still going to worship God. Whether God answers my prayer or not, whether his answers is your yes or no, I'm still going to serve God. Whether I am sick on my bed, I'm still going to serve God. Whether I have money in my pocket, I'm still going to serve God. I have seen Christians who serve God sincerely and genuinely and yet what to even buy food is a problem. It is still the love of God. So don't ever get to the point in your life where you think that the love of God is only in God's goodness. Sometimes his love is when you don't experience his goodness. Sometimes his love is when you don't get what you want. It is still his love. He's still loving you. Amen. And so a lot of Christians have this, have imbibed this concept that as long as it is God's love, then everything is going to be well with me. And that is how the sisters of Mary and Martha also said. They didn't understand that this same Jesus who used to be in their house when food was available. They didn't understand that this same Jesus who was always in their house enjoying with their brother Lazarus and Lazarus was on the bed dying and they sent a message and look at how they sent the message. He said, God, the one you love is sick. They were specific to add it. He said, the one you claim to love because to them, as long as you claim to love Lazarus, then you must be around when he's on the sick bed. And the Bible said, Jesus heard these words and did not say a word. The silence of God. And every child of God, no matter who you are, you may go through a period in your life which we call the silence of God. You may go through that painful moment in your life where things does not make sense for you. Where you are prayed, where you have fasted, where you have sought the face of God, but it is still the love of God. Where you have cried unto God, where the friends who don't even pray like you pray, where your friends who don't even fast like you fast, it looks like they are going ahead of you and yet you are standstill. It is still the love of God. And so don't ever get to the point in your Christian life where you think, where you judge how close you are with God based on material things. 
And that is a disservice most pastors have done to the church. We emphasize on materiality. We emphasize on material gospel. We emphasize on prosperity to the detriment of the fact that yes, even if God gives us, it is his love. Even if he does not give us, it is still his love. And so Jesus came to this church and says that I know thy works. I know thy works. And the word I know is the Greek oida, which means someone who had experienced, who had who had seen the church. It is someone who understands the church. Or someone who had a personal experience of whatever was happening in that church. He knew whatever was going on in the church of Smyrna. He saw it. If you look at Revelation chapter 2 verse 1, it says unto him that stands behind the candlesticks. The candlesticks, the seven candlesticks were the seven churches. So this one, it was not related to Jesus in prayer. It was not told him by an angel. He experienced it. He saw it himself. He had seen it, how they were going through challenges. And he says, I know your works. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, sir, God knows your works. He knows your works in the church. He knows when you are paying your tithe, he knows. He knows when you are fasting, he knows. He knows when you are serving in the church, he knows. He says, I know your works. So God knows our church. He knows whatever is happening in his house. He understands it and he knows whatever is happening in his church. He says, I know your works. I know your works. I have seen it with my own eyes. And it was important because Jesus had to assure this church because of whatever we, they were going through. So today we are going to look at three things that, is, that was exactly happening in this church. We are going to look at one. We are going to look at the reason why Jesus wrote the letter to them or their suffering. We are looking at the remedy. And three, we are looking at their reward. One, we are looking at the, re the reason why they were going through challenges. Two, we are looking at the remedy, what Jesus told them. And three, we are looking at the reward. If Jesus says that if they do this sin, he's going to reward them. There is a crown he's going to give to them. Amen. Now, if you look at Christianity, Christianity, when Jesus wanted to, wanted to give his disciples the symbol of Christianity, he didn't give them a crown. I thought that Jesus would have given the disciples a crown as a symbol of Christianity to show them that if you, if you do A, B, and C, I'll give you the crown. But Jesus did not give them a crown. He gave them a cross. To show them that Christianity is bloody. It is gory. It is full of suffering. It is full of difficult times. But if you shall endure to the end, I will give you a crown of life. Amen. So the disciples of Jesus could not understand this reality. To them, as long as it is the love of God, as long as God kept multiplying bread, it was the love of God that displayed. When they saw the deaf walk, when they saw the deaf hear and the lame walk, when they saw Jesus walk on water, when they saw him raise the dead, it was the love of God for them. But they could not understand that this same love that gave them food, this same love that gave them water, this same love that did miracles for them, it was still the same love that took them to the cross. They could not understand. How can this be the love of God? How can this be the love of God? And I know some of you, you are going through challenges. You are going through difficult times and you think that maybe I have done something, you have not done anything. It's still the love of God. When it is the love of God, when you have no place to lay your head. It is the love of God when you are, you are bedridden. It is the tough love of God. And God shows us tough love so that you can mature in your Christian life. To bring us to the place of maturity. Amen. To get to a point in your Christian life where you mature. He says, I know your works. And the reason why they were going through what they were going through, I know your works. 
and the tribulation and thy tribulation he is in other words the smena church was going through tough times this particular church was started by some of the sons of paul after when paul started the ephesus church these people left the place and went and established this ephesus church this this smena church and they had elders like polycarp and a few other people who had decided they were going to take a stand for christ they decided they were not going to be part of the world they were decided that they're not going to be part of the world system but they were going to take a stand for christ and whatever when they decided to pay a price they had to go through tribulation and the word tribulation is a greek word ellipsis which means a pressing it means to be in a tight place to be in a crushing place which means that when you take a stand for christ you may find yourself in an, a tight place when you take a stand for Christ, when you decide that I'm not going, I'm going to, I'm not going to sleep with this man for this job. When you decide that I'm not going to sleep with this person, when you decide that I'm not going to take bribe, you may lose your job. But it is a present. When you decide that, when let people do whatever they want to do, I will be a Christian. It is a present. It is a tight place. Listen, the God of your good place is also the God of your tight place. So when you go through tight place, it is still, he's still gone. And the Greek is telepsis, which means a pressing. It means a tight place. It means crushing. And it was first used to describe the act of torture by the Roman soldiers. When they saw somebody or when they found someone who was a Christian and they wanted the person to recant that they don't know Christ. They wanted the person to renounce Jesus. What they would do is that they would take a big boulder of rock and they will hang it on the train and they will tie the person down and when they tie you down they will tell you they will ask you recant that you know Jesus and when you don't recant they will begin to drop the, the, the boulder of rock slowly on you until you get to the point where it is crushing you where you are suffocating for bread where you are tired where you want to breathe where you cannot breathe and then they would ask you are you going to recant that you don't know Jesus and when you say I won't they, they, they will cut the rope and the thing will crush you that is tribulation. Paul and John use these words a lot. It says, we are pressed on every side. We are pressed on every side. But not perplexed. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 9. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted. I'm pressed by no crash, persecuted and abandoned, struck down by no this. But we don't understand the words, we don't understand the meaning of this song. It was written out of the pain of other people. So Christianity is not bread and butter. He says, I know your works and thy tribulation. And they were going through tribulation because they chose to stand for Christ. Listen, persecution will come to the church. If you, if you take a stand for Christ, persecution will come. If you decide to live a Christian life, if you decide to stand for God in your generation, persecutions will come. Hard times will come. Sometimes you look at a job, you need money to buy food, and there's this job that says that you must not go to church on Sunday, and you have to deny yourself that I, I can't get this job because I don't want to lose Miss Church on Sundays. It is what we call tribulation. And if you want to take a stand for God, you face tribulation. I know your works. I know that tribulation. 
and die poverty and die poverty and this word poverty there are two words that the Bible uses to describe poverty. The first one is penaya, which means when one is so poor that he has to earn his living or income by daily labor. Or when one is a slave. So in those days, slaves were paid. But the Bible did not use penaya. The Bible used potekaya, which means to be a beggar. Which means abject poverty. Which means horrifying level of poverty. To be deprived of the most basic essentials for living. So these people, because they took a stand for Christ, it was difficult for them to even feed. Their basic need, they were not assured of their basic needs. They didn't have money for food. They didn't have money for anything. It was difficult for them. Why? Because they didn't want to be part of the trade guild. In those days, we had what we call a trade guild. Now, a trade guild was like a trade association in Smyrna. And if you want to, be, if you want to have a job or maintain a job, you have to be part of the trade guild. But these people decided that once we have become we have become Christians, we are not going to be part of the trade guild. They decided not to compromise on their Christianity. They decided not to be comfortable or have convenient Christianity. They said, we will not be part of this. Now, the reason why they didn't want to be part of this is that if you want to be part of the trade guild, one, you have to bow to the, the patron gods of the trade guild. Two, you have to be part of, you have to partake in drunkenness and debauchery. That is sexual immorality. But these people said, we'll not be part. We have, we have decided that we are going to serve God. We have decided we are going to stand for Christ. We have decided whether it looks good or not, we are going to take a stand for Christ. And because of this, they had to go through poverty. And God did not promise them he was going to deliver them from it. So the love of God it's still love when you go through hard times. It is still the love of God when things don't go the way you want it. It is still God's love when you don't get the answers to your prayer. It is still God's love. They were poor. They were going through tribulation. They were, they were being fed to lions. They were like, they were being fed to lions, but they, they were like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, oh king, we are not careful to bow. But even if our God does not deliver us, We'll soon not bow to the, to the image of Baal. We'll soon not bow to this image of Nebuchadnezzar. God is looking for a generation of Christians who will tell themselves that even if I have to go hungry, I'll still preach the truth. Even if I have to go hungry, I'll still live a holy life. Even if I have to, even if things are difficult, I'll still stay, stand for Christ. They stood for Christ. And Jesus said that, I know your works, I know your poverty, and I know that you, he says that, but thou art rich. He says, you are poor, but thou art rich. In other words, physically, the church of Smyrna, or the people look so poor, but in the sight of God, they were rich people. Physically, it looked like they had nothing. But before God, they were rich people. Physically, they were poor. But before God, they were rich people. Compared to the Laodicean church, the Laodicean church, God said that you are rich, but to me, you are poor. These people, God said you are poor, but to me, you are rich. So there is riches towards God, and there is riches towards man. So there are people who are walking on this earth. They may not have money. They may not have anything. But in the sight of God, they are rich. Because they have endured for Christ. It says, I know your ways. I have seen it myself. I know the pain you are going through. I know how difficult it is for you to serve me. I know how painful it is for you to be a Christian. I know some of you, in your family, you are being persecuted. Some of you at your workplace, you are being persecuted. People don't understand why you cannot drink alcohol with them. They cannot understand why you cannot fornicate with them. They are calling your names. And yet, in the midst of all these persecutions, you are still taking a stand for Christ. Jesus said that, I know it. I have seen it. 
And sometimes, what many of us will have deliverance mentality. We feel that as long as we are going through something, God must deliver us instantly. But the Bible is, the Bible was clear in this sense. God did not deliver them. So yes, God's love may deliver you, but his love may not also deliver you. His love may let you go through it. His love may make, let you go through it. It's painful. It is tough love. But it is still his love. Jude 1.3 It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was delivered unto the saint. So God is saying that you must keep the faith which was delivered unto the saint. Many of us, we talk about the saint of old. We quote Abraham. We talk about Abraham. We talk about Isaac, Jacob. But we don't talk about their scars. We don't talk about their pain. And the Bible made sure that when he was talking about them, he didn't only talk about their good times. He also talked about their, their worst times. He also talked about the suffering they had to endure. He also talked about the suffering they had to endure. In Hebrews 11, 33 to 38, the Bible talks about the whole of faith. This was the Christianity that was delivered to us. They were in destitute. They lacked basic things. The first, the church faced serious persecutions and yet they stood for God. Whatever you are going through, you got to stand for God. You got to take a stand for Christ. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. God is looking for a generation of people who will still serve him even when things are going. We are troubled on every side and yet not perplexed. The disciples could not understand why Jesus said, spoke about the love of God. They could not understand why. And the Bible says that Jesus said, God, if it is possible, let, take, let this cup pass by me. But nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. And the Bible says, and an angel of the Lord came to strengthen him. The Bible didn't say an angel of the Lord came to deliver him. It says he strengthened him to go through whatever he was going through. I pray that God will strengthen you this afternoon. I pray that God will strengthen you this morning. I pray that God's strength will strengthen you in the name of Jesus. They had hope for the future. They had hope for the future. They had strength in their innermost man. They knew that God, even if they were going through difficult times, it was not punishment. It was God preparing them for something great. God came to give them a hope. He says, I know your works. And the reason was that they were going through persecutions, they were going through tribulation, and they were going through poverty. And the remedy was that God says that, listen, stand for me. He says, take a stand. Don't be afraid. Be fearless. God told them to be fearless. We are a lot of Christians who are soft. We are soft. A soft Christianity. We are Christians... Uh, Christians in other places who are being beheaded every day. When you go to the Middle East, some Christians are being beheaded. They are cutting their head off. They are telling them that recant Jesus. If you don't recant Jesus, we'll cut your head off. It is said that the statistics says that about 200 million Christians are persecuted every year. They are persecuted every year in countries. One day, some armed robbers entered a church. It was like a 2,000 seater congregation. And they caught, they arrested the pastor. They caught the, caught the pastor and his wife. And then they began to shoot into the air. Pop, 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 pop. They locked all the door. And they said that anybody who thinks what the pastor is preaching is true should stand, should stay. The rest, you should go. Every, the elders started leaving. The preachers left. The choir members started leaving. The, 
all the others started he was left with the pastor and his wife and a few members and then Amrobert said please it was, a, it, was, it, was, it was a prank we wanted you to know the real members in the church one day when we are preaching in church and we are telling about Jesus and somebody comes in the church with a gun and says that are you a Christian or not if you say you are a Christian I will kill you how many of you can stand we want Christianity that is convenient. We want, we want to serve God at our own time. We want to serve God. We are like, the Bible says that, and the devil came to God. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil said, yes. It is because you have given him all that he wants. Take it from him and let us see whether he will still stand. God is saying that if I take that thing you want from you, will you still be a Christian? If you get sick, will you still serve God? If you don't get what you want, will you be a fair-weather Christian? Will you be a Christian who only serves God when things are good? Will you be a Christian who only serves God when you have money? Will you be a Christian who only serves God when things are going your way? It is through the love of God. Be fearless. Be fearless. Many of us as a church, we have lost focus. Be like John the Baptist. Sometimes when you tell the truth, they will make, you may lose your head like John the Baptist. But be fearless tell the truth tell the truth be fearless and he says that be faithful be faithful be faithful he says 10 days you will go through it for 10 days it means whatever you are going through it's not permanent it is temporal the pain you are going through is not permanent it is temporal he says be fearless be faithful endure be faithful and endure 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17 for light afflictions which is for a moment is working for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory he says our light affliction which is for a moment so whatever you are going through it's not permanent it is for a moment and he says that it is working for you an exceeding and more eternal weight of glory I came to look, tell you that look at life from an eternal perspective. Look at life from an eternal perspective. Be faithful unto the end. Have an have eternity in mind. Be faithful unto the end. He says, and then I will give you the crown of life. If you stand for God, there is a crown in heaven. If you decide to serve God, whether in your good times or bad times, God says there is a crown ahead for you in heaven. There is a crown in heaven. And that crown will be given to people who are able to take a stand for Christ. Who will be able to stand for Christ. Who will tell themselves that things may not be going the way I want it, but I will still stand for Christ.